Welcome to eBible Fellowship's Sunday Bible Study. For broadcast times in your area of these studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now it's time to begin our Sunday study with your speaker, Chris McCann. Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship Sunday Afternoon Bible Study. Today we're going to uh, continue in taking a look at two jubilees. We began this in our last Bible study, our last Sunday Bible study, and we're going to continue looking at some more information related to the similarity between the first coming of Christ and the possible second coming of Christ as centered around a jubilee year. As 7 B.C., was a jubilee year, the year that Jesus was born, and the year 1994 was also a jubilee year, 2,000 years from the time that Jesus was born. And we're seeing several similarities between the way that the years aligned or, or the significance of the years in the first coming of Christ and the possible same lineup or or same alignment of years now at this time at the time of the end for the second coming of Christ. And again, it relates to the Jubilee. As it says in Leviticus chapter 25, beginning in verse 8, And thou shalt number seven Sabbaths of years unto thee, seven times seven years. And the space of the seven Sabbaths of years shall be unto thee forty and nine years. Then shalt thou cause the trumpet of the Jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month and the day of atonement. Shall ye make the trumpet sound throughout all your land, and ye shall hallow the fiftieth year, and proclaim liberty throughout all the land Unto all the inhabitants thereof, it shall be a jubilee unto you, and you shall return every man unto his possession, and you shall return every man unto his family. A jubilee shall that fiftieth year be unto you, you shall not sow, neither reap, that which groweth of itself in it, nor gather the grapes in it, of thy vine undressed. And I'll stop reading there. Now here God is... Uh, just laying out the law for the Jubilee year, how it would work out, how it was to be observed historically every 50 years, beginning in 1407 B.C. all the way down through history, every year in the Old Testament side of 57 or 07, every year that ended in either 57 or 07, would be a jubilee year. And so 7 B.C. was a jubilee, and it was the time that um, all the evidence of the Bible points to that Jesus was born, and and very likely, very possibly, he was born on the Day of Atonement itself, and and at, at, in a jubilee year. And that would be the day that, um, according to Leviticus 25, that they're to uh, proclaim liberty. They, they were to 
caused the trump of the jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month in the day of atonement and and that trumpet sound would be the proclamation of liberty and and that's exactly what jesus came to do to set the captives free to take captivity captive as or as jesus would later say in the gospel of john if the son of man shall make you free ye shall be free indeed or as we read in galatians in galatians chapter 5 it says in verse 1 stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith christ has made us free and be not entangled again with a yoke of bondage everything um related to the gospel and salvation has to do with liberty because sinners are slaves to sin and to Satan. They're bound about with the cords of their own iniquity. They're enchained uh, in spiritual bondage. And salvation is the releasing of the sinner. Remember when Jesus sent two of his disciples to loose the ass so um he he could uh use it in mark chapter 11 it says in verse 1 and when they came nigh to jerusalem unto bethphage and bethany at the mount of olives he sendeth forth two of his disciples and saith unto them go your way into the village over against you and as soon as ye be entered into it ye shall find a colt tied whereon never man sat loose him and bring him and if any man say unto you why do ye this say ye that the lord hath need of him and straightway he will send him hither and they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met and they loose him and certain of them that stood there said unto them what do ye loosing the colt and they said unto him even as jesus had commanded and they let him go and they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. To sit in the Bible means to rule. The colt is bound, and it's a picture of sinners, sinners that Christ came to save or to deliver, to set at liberty, to, to free them from their bondage, from their bound condition. And and so Christ sends the disciples, the disciples loose the cult, just like Christ sends the gospel, the word of God in the hands of his people to others that are bound in their sin. And through that process, sinners heard the word and, and, and faith came and they were set free. And then the cult is brought to the Lord Jesus. He's no longer bound. Now Christ sits upon him. And this is a cult no man had ever sat upon because Christ had not ruled over him previously. And now he rules over the one. He he is Lord over the one that he has saved. And this is the whole idea behind the Jubilee. 
the Jubilee is to set the captives free. And so when Jesus was born into the world in a Jubilee year, on the Day of Atonement, again, most likely, then he he was the essence of the Jubilee because he would be the one to deliver his people. And this was all part of the process. And, and so God, uh, in that year of 7 BC, fulfilled the spiritual meaning of the Jubilee. But, you know, what's interesting about the Jubilee is that we would think that Jesus coming and being born in, in a Jubilee year on the Day of Atonement does fulfill the Jubilee, and typically when a feast is fulfilled, there's no need to uh, to do it again or to, to fulfill it a second time. And yet, God gave an indicator in the book of Joshua regarding the Jubilee that there would be more than one of them. In Joshua chapter 6, and the Hebrew word Jubilee is Strong's number 3104. And it's translated as Jubilee in Leviticus, where we just read. But in Joshua chapter 6, and Joshua 6 is the account of uh, the battle of Jericho. And and that, that very unusual battle in which God commanded them, the Israelites, to march around the city one time a day for six days. And then on the seventh day, God commanded them to march around seven times for a total of 13 times around Jericho. And then we, we all know the story that on the 13th time around, after they went around that seventh time on the seventh day, and after the previous six times, six days, the 13th time around, and then uh, they were to blow with the trumpet and to shout, and the wall came tumbling down, and Jericho defenseless. Uh, you know, if you didn't have a wall to protect you, and then, then you were, uh, like the expression goes, a sitting duck. An enemy army could easily march in and destroy you. And that's exactly what happened to Jericho. They had a great wall to protect them, but a wall is, is uh, no defense against God. And God is able to overcome anything that man might put before him, any kind of obstacle. But here in Joshua chapter 6, the word jubilee is found several times. Only it's not translated as jubilee, but it's translated as ram's horns. And, and that's plural. It's also translated as ram's horn singular. But it's still the word jubilee. Let's read here in Joshua 6, beginning in verse 3. And he shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. That's ram's horns is the word jubilees. Not jubilee, but plural jubilees. And the seventh day... He shall compass the city seven times, 
and the priests shall blow with the trumpets, and shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, or jubilee, that's singular, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. Now, let me just make a comment here. This sounds similar to what we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Because Jericho is a picture of the world. And uh, here God is saying, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. And then the wall of the city will fall down. That That is picturing the end of the world. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says concerning the coming of Christ at the time of the end of the world. In 1 Thessalonians 4, in verse 14, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, Even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first." Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord, wherefore comfort one another with these words. Now, what's interesting is that we know 1994 was the Jubilee year, and we know that Christ did not return. Actually, There was evidence pointing to 1994 with good reason because of the Bible's language concerning the fulfillment of the Jubilee. But but Christ did not return in 1994. Yet, yet, now we're learning that a Jubilee year, as Jesus was born in the Jubilee year of 7 BC, that the effect of the Jubilee year carries or can carry decades into the future. For example, Jesus was born 7 BC as the essence of the Jubilee, but God waited and waited and waited until the period of Christ's ministry, until uh, after three and a half years of, of his ministry, Jesus went to the cross, and then 50 days after that, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out, and that was really a result of the Jubilee, of Jesus's entry into the world. And, and it was all a part of the fulfillment of the Jubilee. The first outpouring of the Holy Spirit occurring on the day of Pentecost in 33 A.D., was very much tied to the birth of Christ in 7 BC. Some uh, 40 years or 40 calendar years, 39 actual years earlier. Likewise, now we're considering that 1994, 
the Jubilee year, which ushered in the second outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the second time God would stretch forth his hand to evangelize the earth, that even though we thought that that Jubilee stretched only to 2011, to May 21, 2011, because that was the time of God saving people, wherein it was the second part of the Great Tribulation, and God saved the great multitude and completed his salvation plan at that point. And and so we thought, well, that completes the Jubilee. Yet, if it's following the pattern of the first Jubilee, it would stretch longer. Uh, in the last study, I mentioned an overarching timeline, and it would be the timeline of the Jubilee, which would stretch beyond 2011. And if it followed the same pattern as the first Jubilee, it would go to 2033 A.D. And if this were correct, and it, and again, at this point, let me just stress that we're not saying this is it, that this is for certain in any, in any way, we're just making observations and seeing similarities between the first coming of Christ and the timelines that exist now in our day when we know that we're very close to the second coming or to the very end of the world. And and so there is the possibility 2033 AD would follow the pattern of the first coming of Christ. And it's interesting that the Bible does make a few comments um, such as in Acts chapter 1 that says uh, when the disciples were gazing up after Jesus was taken up after 40 days in verse 11, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. And we tend to think that they were just speaking of that moment, that that um, that instant when they're seeing Jesus go up into the clouds. But what if it's not a reference just to that particular instant of of what they're seeing, but what if it's a reference to his entire going, that is, the whole timeline? And you see, it's something for us to consider that God could be telling us, take a closer look at the first coming of Christ in order to understand the timeline for the second coming of Christ. And so, when we do see that from 7 BC to 33 AD, the Jubilee had its fulfillment in in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost in 33 AD, but even then, it stretched for uh, 1955 years from that point throughout the entire church age. And then it was in 1988, May 21, 1988, that God ended the church age and ended the first jubilee. No more first fruits, no more early rain. The work of the Holy Spirit 
begun in 33 AD, concluded in 1988. And that ended the Jubilee. And then there was a period of 2300 evening mornings when the Jubilee had ended and there was no rain. There was a spiritual famine. But then came 1994 in September and God poured out a second time his spirit and again began to evangelize the earth. Only this time it was outside of the churches and congregations and he saved a greater number, a great multitude that no man could number. And he finished one part of the work in 2011 which was the sending forth of the gospel to the world to reach all the inhabitants of the earth at that time. And yet the completion of the second jubilee was not accomplished because the real essence of Christ's deliverance of the jubilee, Jesus is the essence of the jubilee, and therefore the essence of the jubilee is deliverance from sin in all aspects. And and so, yes, salvation of the soul is one part, but salvation of the body is another part. And, and that means, that, as we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, when Christ comes with the trumpet and a great shout, and, and he's coming to resurrect the bodies of the saints whose spirits are with him in heaven, and he's come to rapture the ones, the uh, living saints, the elect of God that are still alive and on the earth. And that is what the Jubilee uh, accomplishes. It It is the deliverance of the body. Now all of God's people receive a new resurrected body which matches their resurrected soul. And so we can see with the shout and the trumpet of Christ coming, and yes, he could come 40 years or 40 years inclusively from 1994, 39 actual years, and that also matches the the space of 7 BC to 33 AD. He could come at that time in fulfillment of the Jubilee, to complete the Jubilee. But actually, that Jubilee would stretch just like the first one stretched 1,955 years from 33 AD. The the Jubilee at the time of the end stretches then into eternity because it's an eternal deliverance from sin. It's eternal life. So that's how this historical parable we're reading in Joshua 6 can relate to our timeline of a jubilee year in 1994, and yet there is a shout, there is a trumpet blast at the time of the end of the world, and Christ coming, and even though that is not the year 1994, it is connected, it is spiritually or very well could be considered by God spiritually part of the second jubilee. And so here in Joshua 6, verse 5, And it shall come to pass 
to when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. Now, again, that's Jubilee. And that also reminds us what God said in Exodus chapter 19. In Exodus 19, it says here in verse 10, And Jehovah said unto Moses, Go unto the people, and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes, and be ready against the third day. For the third day Jehovah will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves that ye go not up into the mount, or touch the border of it. Whosoever touches the mount shall be surely put to death. There shall not a hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through. Whether it be beast or man, it shall not live. Now, now let's listen to this last part. When the trumpet, and the word trumpet is 3104, the Hebrew word, 3104, it's the word jubilee. When the jubilee soundeth long, they shall come up to the mount. The third day, when the jubilee soundeth long, they shall come up to the mount. And here God is speaking of a prolonged trumpet blast of the jubilee. You know, we we talked about that when we were discussing the spiritual judgment that came on May 21, 2011, and that it was a prolonged judgment day. There, there's some language that indicates that, that as soon as God brings judgment, it's the last trumpet. And in order to understand how that could be, and we could be uh, years into the judgment day period, we recognize, well, uh, it can be a prolonged trumpet blast. Well, now we are thinking about the Jubilee is a trumpet blast. You sound the trumpet on the day of Jubilee. But here in Exodus 19, God is speaking of the Jubilee sounding long. It, it sounds long. And, and if we're understanding it correctly, actually the first Jubilee, the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit began in 7 BC and extended again 40 years, 40 calendar years, the 33 AD, and then beyond that for 1955 more years. And here in 1994, in our time, the trumpet blows and sounds long. It extends perhaps 40 years inclusively, 39 actual years, to 2033 A.D. And you see how that would fit the Bible's language. Uh, Just as God is indicating in Joshua that there are more than one Jubilee periods because he's using the plural, ram's horns, and and it's in association with going around Jericho 13 times, and the jubilees, the ram's horns, will sound. Uh, as it says again here in verse 5, And when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. 
and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. And Joshua the son of Nun called the priests, and said unto them, Take up the ark of the covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns, jubilees, before the ark of Jehovah. And he said unto the people, Pass on, encompass the city, and let him that is armed pass on before the ark of Jehovah. And it came to pass, when Joshua had spoken unto the people, that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns, or jubilees, passed on before Jehovah, and blew with the trumpets, and the ark of the covenant of Jehovah followed them. So again, we're we're seeing that God has all of this information which relates to the shout and the trumpet blast, which ties in with Christ coming at the end of time and and the destruction of the world as the walls of Jericho fell down. All right, let's uh, go back to Jonah chapter 3 and begin in verse 1. And the word of Jehovah came unto Jonah the second time, saying, And Jonah... As we pointed out in the last study, his name means dove. It's the identical word for dove in the Old Testament, and God uses a dove in each of the four gospel accounts to typify the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, where the Spirit descended upon him, the Lord Jesus, like a dove. And so when God came to Jonah, the dove. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit, and it's the second time. By the way, the first time, God came to Jonah, and Jonah fled, and he he went onto a ship to flee to Tarshish, and as a result, a storm rages that God sends, and he's cast overboard. So that relates to Christ uh, going to the cross, the first time, which was a part of the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It was all connected with his entry into the world and going to the cross and, and demonstrating the things he did from the foundation of the world. So we can identify from the information of Jonah chapter 1 when the Lord directs Jonah to go to Nineveh and it winds up with him being cast into the sea and and swallowed by the whale, and he's in the whale's belly for three days and three nights as a big part of the spiritual fulfillment of the first jubilee. The the first time the dove, the Holy Spirit, is poured out. It, it's all connected with that 40-year timeline from the birth of Christ, the 40 calendar years until he went to the cross. But now it's the second time he has come out of the whale's belly. He's already resurrected. And now God has sent him a second time. And, you know, this is the Bible. God can't go into every detail and and cover almost two millennium in a few paragraphs or in a couple of chapters. So we we just understand, based upon the biblical language, of using second time, and and when we search that out, we read uh, in Isaiah 11, I will stretch forth my hand a second time to recover the remnant of my people, that 
it relates to the second outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 2, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of Jehovah. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey, and Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And then he he stopped preaching from everything we can tell, and he went outside the city, as Jonah chapter 4 tells us, and he sat in a booth in Jonah 4 verse 5. God tells us the reason why he did it till he might see what would become of the city. And that means that he waited in a booth in a tabernacle outside the city of Nineveh for the next 39 days until the entire 40-day period would elapse. And there we see an interesting break between the 40 days. There was one day Jonah preached, 39 days were of a different character, where Again, he he was waiting to see what would happen to the city. And that reminds us of the 39 actual years, 40 inclusive years that we have from both 7 B.C. and 33 A.D. and and from 1994 and, and the date of 2033 A.D. Actually, that, that idea of 39 but 40 is found several places in the Bible. Uh, one example... And, and then we'll come back here, is in Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. The Apostle Paul is moved by God uh, to write of the Jews, Five times received I forty stripes, save one. Five times he was given forty stripes, and that's the maximum that the law of God permits. You cannot exceed and and so the Jews sentence him to the maximum penalty, 40 lashes, 40 stripes. And he was given the stripes five times, uh, 40 stripes save one or minus one, because they did not want to exceed. They feared going over the maximum penalty that God had established. So they went right up to it. And instead of 40, they gave him 39. And they did this five times, which, which is interesting. So uh, we see 40 stripes, but actually 39, which, again, would match with the idea of, of the number of years being 40 calendar years or 40 inclusive years, but actually 39. And also, when we multiply it, Five times 39, because it, it happened to him five times. We come up with the number of 195. And 195 breaks down to five times three times 13. Five times three times 13. And the number five is the number for atonement. It's the number that God identifies with the atonement. And, again, the Day of Atonement ushers in the Jubilee. 
So from 7 BC to 33 AD, 39 but 40. And from 1994 until 2033, 39, yet we can count it 40 inclusively. And with these stripes Paul is talking about, he has the number 5, which relates to the atonement. And then the number 3, indicating God's purpose, and 13, the time of the end of the world, like 13 times around Jericho. And again, Jericho relates to the Jubilee. The Jubilee and the Jubilee to the Day of Atonement. So these bits of information are all connected in various ways. Okay, let's go back to Jonah. And we see that that um, Jonah was commanded a second time. The dove, the Holy Spirit, was commanded, go forth a second time. And when did God pour out the Holy Spirit? The Jubilee year of 1994, for a second time. The first outpouring had expired. It ended in uh, 1988. Then there was 2,300 evening mornings, a grievous time, because the Holy Spirit was not officially sent any longer. The sending of the Holy Spirit had come to an end. And and so there's 2,300 days wherein virtually no one's being saved. But then the two witnesses stand upon their feet, the word of God. Once again, the, the law and the prophets stands upon its feet. And God now will evangelize the earth that second time. For the elect's sake, he has many to save. And so the gospel is sent once again the Holy Spirit who flies upon the wings of the Word of God, or maybe the Word of God flies upon his wings, goes forth as a dove into the world. And 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 so this account of Jonah the dove being sent ties in with the Jubilee year and the Day of Atonement, or that first day of the Hebrew seventh month, which also the trumpet would would blow to signal this is the Jubilee year, and with the year 1994. That is, spiritually, the picture of this historical parable relates to what we can identify in the biblical calendar of history. We can link it to a year. To the year 1994. Now, previously, uh, you know, Mr. Camping and, and Family Radio has taught that. That's nothing new. That's, that's nothing new to us as, as he has uh, pointed that out. But what we did not understand previously was a 40-year timeline. We did not think that from 1994 there would be a 40-year timeline because, well, we were looking at May 21, 2011, and then October 21, 2011, and and then we started looking at October 7, 2015, and you see we were we were looking within this overreaching timeline, this overarching timeline. 
and we were concentrating on various stages within a whole. And this has been our tendency since September 1994. We thought, that is it. And then... Um, May 21, 2011, and, and so forth. We, we've been looking at the stages within a timeline and not seeing the framework, the overarching, overreaching, something extending beyond the various stages. And, and, and so here in Jonah 3, in Jonah 3, God gives a timeline, doesn't he? He says, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, forty days. Let's go to Numbers 14. Numbers 14. And we'll read verses 33 and 34. And your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years, and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. After the number of the days in which ye searched the land, even forty days, each day for a year shall ye bear your iniquities, even forty years, and ye shall know my breach of promise." Now we see something, uh, a couple of things that are interesting here. Number one, that God says you search the land 40 days and, and then due to murmuring and, and uh, complaining, God punished them and said each day for a year you will bear your iniquity. So they will wander in the wilderness wander in the wilderness, a desolate land, for 40 years, a year for each day they search the land. And so the two things we see is that when God says 40 days, when uh, he says in the book of Jonah, yet 40 days, we have to keep in mind this is the Bible, and it very well could be that God is saying, yet 40 years. Yet 40 years, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now, yes, we know that historically God did not destroy Nineveh, but again, that was a picture because God saved the people of Nineveh, and they're a representation of his elect. But Nineveh eventually was destroyed. The, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, and God um, did destroy the Assyrians or allowed them to be destroyed. And, and, and so when Jonah is declaring, and, and Jonah is saying, yet 40 days, where the Holy Spirit is bringing a message that identifies with the year 1994, when the Holy Spirit was poured out the second time. Yet 40 years. Now, if we understand that each day represents a year, then from 1994, which spiritually the book of Jonah is linked to, 
if we count inclusively and you start 1994 one, 1995 two, and so on, and, and please write it down on a piece of paper, you come to the year 2033 AD as the 40th year. The 40th year. And also, it's interesting that God here is speaking of the Israelites bearing their iniquity 40 years. Because that's the language, or or partially, the language of the Day of Atonement. In Leviticus chapter 16, when God is outlining the uh, details for the Day of Atonement, there were to be two goats chosen. And it says in Leviticus 16, verse 7, He shall take the two goats and present them before Jehovah at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for Jehovah and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which Jehovah's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before Jehovah to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. Now, where were the Israelites? They were in the wilderness. And and it also says concerning the scapegoat on the Day of Atonement, and the Day of Atonement ties in with the Jubilee. That would be the day the trumpet would sound, and the Jubilee declared. But it also says in Leviticus 16, in verse 20, And when he has made an end of reconciling the holy place, And the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited, and he shall let go the goat in the wilderness. That That is, the goat will, will have the sins of the children of Israel and bear their iniquities, and then will be let go into the wilderness, into a land not inhabited, a desolate place, exactly what the punishment of God was upon the nation of Israel after their coming out of Egypt, and and they murmured and 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 God judged them, and their carcasses fell in the wilderness. They bore their iniquity, and and so that forty-year timeline for the Israelites wandering in the wilderness very well can picture or relate to the scapegoat who was to be selected and released on the Day of Atonement. And if it happened to be a Jubilee year, it it would still be on the Day of Atonement. The scapegoat 
was released and would bear the iniquity of the children of Israel. And God says that the Israelites bore their iniquity 40 years. Now, uh, it's interesting that in Ezekiel chapter 4, God speaks of Israel and Judah and bearing iniquity. In Ezekiel 4, it says in verse 4, Lie thou also upon thy left side, and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel upon it, according to the number of the days that thou shalt lie upon it, thou shalt bear their iniquity. For I have laid upon thee the years of their iniquity, according to the number of the days, three hundred and ninety days, so shalt thou bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. And when thou hast accomplished them, lie again on thy right side, and thou shalt bear the iniquity of the house of Judah forty days. I have appointed thee each day for a year. And there again we see a day for a year, yet forty days. But more than that, we see the number thirty-nine and forty. It's three hundred and ninety, which is ten times thirty-nine, but uh, basically that's the essence of that number. It's 390 days, and then you lie on your other side for 40 days. So uh, just like 40 stripes, uh, you cannot exceed uh, Paul received 39. We have 40 calendar years from 7 B.C. to 33 A.D., but actually 39. 40 inclusive years from 1994 until 2033 A.D., but actually 39. And and here, 390 days, and then 40 days, 39-40. Now, Mr. Camping mentioned that these two numbers, 390 and 40, both had to coincide and fall on the same date. And what he did, and as far as I know, this is correct, but it's something worth looking into again, he uh, linked the 40 days to Jacob and a timeline of 4,000 years from the birth of Jacob in 2007 B.C. is 4,000 years to 1994, which is that jubilee year we've been discussing. And he linked the 390 days to 100 years into Jacob's life when he was 100 years old and had his name changed to Israel. And and from 1907 B.C., there is 3,900 years until 1994 A.D., the Jubilee year. And I think it's important to look at this because we have Israel, the bearing of iniquity, and it's related to, tied to, through those timelines, the Jubilee year. And the Jubilee year, the Day of Atonement, when you place upon the head of the goat, and remember, sheep and the goats, who do the goats represent? The unsaved who have identification with the kingdom of God. The uh, Israelites who are not saved, or individuals in the churches who are not saved. And you place upon the head of the goats their own sin. They must bear their iniquity while they're being punished. And and the punishment of Israel in the wilderness was to wander about in a desolate land. Well, 
Um, there's more information I, I was hoping to get to, but it doesn't look like we're, we're going to have time. Well, maybe, maybe we can just quickly look at an overall timeline where we've been looking at 40. But again, in our last study, we, we spoke about 13 BC, which was 11,000 years from creation. And that had to be a key date because from 13 BC to 7 BC would be the 2300 evening mornings or 2300 day period. And then Christ was born. Well, from 13 BC to 33 AD is a period of 45 actual years, but 46 calendar years. And, and that would be the same as from creation 11,013 B.C. to the cross, 11,045 actual years, 11,046 calendar years. And 23 years before the flood of 5,013 B.C. to the cross, again, 5,045 actual years, 5,046 calendar years. And it's the same for creation to 2033 A.D., 11,013 B.C. plus 2033, and you have 13,045 actual years and 13,046 calendar years. And likewise, from 1988 to 2033, you have 45 actual years, but 46 inclusive years. So there's another similarity with the overall time that we understand when judgment began at the house of God until this year of 2033. There's, there's a match there also with the timeline of the first coming of Christ and, and with other dates. Well, um, one verse I'll leave everyone with is in John chapter 2. After thinking about that overall timeline of 45 yet 46 years, You might be interested in reading John 2, verse 19. Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. Well... Now, we, we know Jesus was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. But the temple of his body is much more. There's a spiritual temple, isn't there? And, and Christ has built a house. Whose house are we? We are the temple of God. And actually, this statement concerning the Jews' remark that 46 years was this temple in building matches the timeline for the first coming of Christ, 13 B.C. to the cross, and matches the timeline of 1988 to 2033. So that's something we'll look into a little bit and also relate it to Hosea. Uh, and I'll just give you the verse so you can you can read it and and study it if you want in Hosea 6. Verse 1, Come and let us return unto Jehovah, for he is torn, and he will heal us. He is smitten, and he will bind us up. After two days 
Will he revive us? Remember what we read back in Exodus 19 concerning the Jubilee on the third day? In the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know if we follow on to know Jehovah, his going forth is prepared as the morning and he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain unto the earth. And the rain, the two periods of rain, is the two outpourings of the Holy Spirit, which identifies with the two jubilees. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship Sunday Bible Study. For more information or to hear additional Bible studies, be sure to visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com.